Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. And welcome to the Thursday edition of the Noon Business Hour. For Rob Hart, I'm Jim Goodis. Word on other cities seeing a rise in convention business while Chicago is lagging well behind. That's coming up in our next segment. Right now, many analysts and business leaders are calling for a recession. And to join us to talk about that is Paul Christopher, the head of global market strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. And Paul, I understand you are joining the growing chorus of people who are looking to when we might expect a recession. So what is your guidance on this? Yes. Hi. Thanks. uh, And good afternoon, Jim and everyone. We do think that the economy is reaching a point where the probability of a recession is ticking up past 50 percent. What you have to to understand is that there's still some strength out there. You heard just now the report on housing from the first quarter. Uh, There's $4 trillion in U.S. checking accounts right now. A lot of cash. Call that a buffer. But inflation is working against it. It's scrubbing down that buffer. And so will Fed rate hikes going forward. And we think by the end of the year, that buffer will will be reduced to the point where the economy really will be uh, in a close to recession, if not in recession. Do you think there's anything on the horizon that could avert a recession, delay a recession? Or are we well, pretty much just at this point, it's going to come? Well, uh, the the chances are a little bit better than 50-50. We think it's a mild recession, one that probably goes into early 2023. Uh, Inflation by itself will have a lot to say about how soon that happens or to what degree. But if the Fed were to pull back on rate hikes, you might not have a recession or at least maybe not one quite so soon. But again, with inflation being so prominent and so persistent here, sticky, let's call it, even if it peaks, It's going to stay high, and that's going to have a negative effect scrubbing down that buffer in the months to come. So uh, it's going to be a near one thing. Paul, what's your guidance for folks? How should we be preparing for this possibility? What's the best strategy here? Look, for investors especially, here's a good time, a good chance to be patient a little bit. If you're a long-term investor, you're saving for your health care costs, you're saving for grandkids to put them through college or to make a bequest to your family, here's a time to, to exercise that advantage you have that you, you're willing to wait some time uh, in order to, in order to uh, make your real gains in the market. So now is a time to be patient. And what you do is you take, uh, when the market falls a little bit, you put a little bit of cash to work. Uh, and then you do so on a, on a uh, let's say, a disciplined and incremental basis going forward for the next four or five, six quarters. And eventually the recession ends and the market starts to go up, but you've been buying at lower prices all the way along. So that's how you make money. It's how you preserve capital by uh, by sticking with quality and putting cash to work in a disciplined and incremental way. Well, I have you here. Anything else that maybe with all of this talk of recession and all of the other economic news that maybe is being overlooked and something that people should be paying attention to? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the part that people seem to miss is the quality part. Um, the, when the market starts to fall, people want to go to cash. But you, if you go to cash here with inflation at 8%, that if you have any sort of goals for the future, that inflation is just going to eat away at your cash until by the time you get to that, that point in your life where you're ready to bu- make that purchase, you're going to not be able to make the purchase that you want to make, whether it's health care, education, a second home. Uh, it, it, going to cash here is not the point. The point is to keep cash 
capital and preserve capital, you need to go to quality. We like large cap stocks. We like technology, healthcare, energy. We think those are sectors with good cash flow. They may be down a little bit today, but we think over time, allocating incrementally to these sectors will will help preserve your capital and set you up nicely for the rebound that we think will come later in 2023 and into 24. That's Paul Christopher, the head of global market strategy for Wells Fargo Investment Institute out of St. Louis. Thanks, Paul. Always appreciate your guidance, especially at times like this. Coming up, a look at the slow return of the convention business to Chicago. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Attracting conventions to return to Chicago, lagging behind other cities and here to tell us why is Danny Ecker, the reporter for Crane Chicago Business. So, Danny, why is that? Well, uh, we've, I think, been a slower market to recover in, in many ways when it comes to, you know, group meetings, large meetings. Uh, keep in mind that, you know, we were a, a city and a state that uh, had uh, stricter COVID rules than some other markets. And so, you know, I think there's been a perception that Chicago has been slower to kind of reopen for business and have the kind of same vibrancy that uh, group organizers want uh, that helps draw people in. And certainly uh, headlines of crime have, have not helped and, uh, in fact, perhaps, you know, kept people away in some cases. So uh, we are seeing more people come back. I mean, if you were at McCormick Place uh, last month when the National Restaurant Show was there and the Sweets and Snacks Expo was there at the same time, you would be walking around the campus feeling like everything was back and things are booming again and, and things are starting to come back, but just not as fast as they are in some other markets that have been just generally more open during the pandemic. Danny, what's the city doing to try to get that convention business back? Well, certainly just uh, getting the message out that uh, Chicago is open and has a lot of foot traffic again and has the, all the different aspects of it that have made it um you know, a, a big draw for, for conventions and, and uh, trade shows and big corporate meetings uh, for years. Um, you know, the, the, there's, um, there's, there's a lot of things that need to be addressed, I think, in terms of uh, sort of a PR campaign for the city and making sure people understand what, what Chicago has to offer. We haven't really seen that to a, to a great degree, although Choose Chicago, the, the Tourism Bureau now has a new leader there. So, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done um, and a lot of uh, this is a huge economic engine, obviously, with McCormick Place and just, uh, you know, about 20 percent of hotel rooms booked downtown each year that rely on conventions and trade shows. So it's very important that this thing gets going again and it's starting to uh, and it's hopefully going to pick up the speed soon. That's Danny Ecker, a reporter for Crane Chicago Business. Thanks, as always, Danny, for your insight. Up next, we'll discuss the impact rising mortgage rates are having on the housing market. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Mortgage rates have been climbing after taking a breather for several weeks and helping us to gain perspective on how this is affecting the housing market is Steve Kirch, the real estate editor at Market Watch here in Chicago. So, Steve, how is this affecting the housing market? Uh, good afternoon, Jim. Well, uh, mortgage rates, when they rise, have the... Uh, you might expect on the housing market. They are cooling sales. They have cooled mortgage applications uh, by about 7% in the last week. In fact, uh, the MBA reported that their mortgage app index was down to its lowest level in 22 years. Um, so without the mortgages, we're not going to see as many home sales. Uh, buyers are being put off by these rising rates. And so eventually that's going to help 
cool the rising prices and probably sales as well. So is there any kind of silver lining here, or is this all a dark cloud? Well, I guess the the silver lining is to think historically about mortgage rates and realize that they're about five and a quarter now on the 30-year rate. That's actually historically a very good rate. It's just seems bad when you realize that the housing regular the average price you're paying on a mortgage these days is up about 53% over the last year. So again, it's 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 all kind of relative. Um, but no, I, I I think you've got people who uh, are looking at this and and hoping that they're not going to go any higher at least. So what's the advice here? Is there any way you can take advantage of this situation or What's the best way to approach things now as these rates are going up? Is, is, is it as simple as get in while you can if you need to borrow, or uh, is there any other kind of strategy you can suggest? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we saw people this spring probably, they knowing rates were moving up, knowing the Fed was going to continue to raise rates and they were likely to go higher on the mortgage end. I think you saw a lot of people probably pile in uh, in the spring and, make their decision. I think now what you're going to find is folks just sitting on the sidelines until this cycle kind of cools off. You're going to have a lot of people who have low-cost mortgages that they're not going to want to put their home on the market and, and risk getting in there and having to you know double their interest rate if they move. So again, I, I think that that's, you know, you're, the strategy may be now just to wait. All right, that's Steve Kirch, the real estate editor of Market Watch here in Chicago. Still ahead, technology is bringing something new that will change how people shop online. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Jim Goodis, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The House Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol holds its first public hearing tonight. A three-year-old Chicago girl died today after falling from her mother's bicycle that was hit by a semi. It's Technology Thursday, and on the Noon Business Hour, we'll look at something new that will affect online shopping. We'll also examine the struggle to pay down credit card debt in the midst of high inflation. Right now on Wall Street, the Dow's down 140 points, the S&P 500 down 24, and the NASDAQ is down 91. We're expecting a mostly sunny afternoon and a high of 77. And then for tonight, clouds will move in with a low around 60. Right now at O'Hare, it's mostly sunny and 71 at 1231. 
The nation will start getting a look tonight at the results of a year-long probe of the Capitol riot. In a primetime hearing, the House panel investigating the attack will lay out what happened during the insurrection itself and also the chilling backstory of Donald Trump's bid to overturn his 2020 election loss. Committee member Elaine Luria says the details should make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. When you hear and understand uh, the wide-reaching conspiracy and the effort to try to corrupt every lever and agency of government involved in this. The hearing will open with testimony from the first officer pummeled in the riot, and a committee aide says it'll also feature unreleased audio and video, including accounts from Trump aides and family members. Republicans like Indiana's Jim Banks say it's all a diversionary spectacle. Americans would rather hear about inflation and border security. They're tired of the theatrics. Sagar Magani, Washington. You can hear live coverage of the hearing starting at 7 tonight on News Radio WBBM and the Odyssey app. A three year old girl riding on the back of her mother's bicycle has died after being hit by a semi in the uptown neighborhood. Police say the bicycle and truck were traveling in the same direction on Leland near Winthrop just after 8 this morning when the mother apparently lost control of the bike, colliding with the semi's cab, causing it to fall. The girl, who was in a child carrier seat, was hit by the truck. She was rushed to an area hospital where she was pronounced dead. Her mother wasn't injured. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are lower today, and joining us with a look at why, Gary Kaupbaum, the president of Kaupbaum Capital Management out of Orlando. And always good to check out Gary's website, GaryK.com. So, Gary, your take on what's happening on Wall Street today? Well, it's just more the same. I think the market is gathering that uh, earnings corporations are going to have to account for the massively higher energy prices in earnings reports going forward, as well as interest rates. Now the 10-year yield back above 3%. Uh, and if that means guidance is going down, that means stocks are going down. And I think that's uh, what you're seeing a lot of uh, continuously. Gary, I'm just curious, is there any thought about what we're going to be hearing tonight from the January 6th committee in this primetime hearing, is there anything that could come out of that that could have any kind of effect on the markets or just in general, just what we might be seeing looking forward? I, I don't think that's going to be market moving. I think most everything that is known from there, uh, I think the one thing that is really front and center right now as far as markets is the big I word of inflation. Uh, with a consumer and business right now in comparison to the year before COVID are spending $300 billion more on gas than back then. We're talking of that. Uh, that's one big gigantic haircut uh, in people's pockets as well as uh, business. And I think that's why you're seeing markets d- doing what they've been doing for the last few months. So Gary, with all these conditions in place and what we're anticipating for potentially early next year. What's your advice? What do you think people should be doing right now and down the road to maximize their position as we look at all of this? Well, we've been telling them for a while right now to be much more defensive. Simple as that. There are moments in time, uh, you know, everybody gets used to the markets always going up, but that's not the case. Uh, Every now and then you go through these periods and what you just want to do is you take off some of the offense, put some cash up instead of uh, being fully invested. And then what you have to do is really elevate 
And what I mean by that is all the speculation and froth that pervaded markets for a couple of years have been absolutely crushed. Hopefully nobody's in there. You want to be in the big stocks, the lower, what we call lower beta names with good, good quality earnings, the boring stuff. They tend to hold up much better during these times. And that's why you see the NASDAQ down 25, but the Dow only down 12 uh, from the highs. So that, that's the best advice right now. We'll eventually come out of it. I just think that there's a bunch more to go before we, we, we come out of this. That's Gary Kaltbaum, the president of Kaltbaum Capital Management out of Orlando. Again, always good to take a look at Gary's website, GaryK.com. You can get a lot more from him on what's happening. And, of course, we will be checking in with Gary throughout as the economy continues to look at possible recession signs. Many economists and business leaders saying that could be the case early next year. And, of course, Gary will be one of the people that will help us figure out what best to do if, in fact, that happens. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday, and Amazon is rolling out a new virtual shopping tool that uses augmented reality technology to do such things as trying on shoes or other items before buying them online. And giving us a closer look, Ina Freed, the chief technology correspondent for the new site Axios.com out of San Francisco. So... This has always been a question when you buy things online. Is it going to fit? How is it going to fit? How do I know it's going to fit? So how is this all going to work to make that more possible when you're buying from Amazon? Well, that's obviously the problem that they're trying to help with uh, because it helps their business if they can give you more ways to get a sense for things. Augmented reality can really help when it comes to seeing what is something going to look like, whether that's furniture or glasses or makeup or, in this case, shoes. What it's not good for is seeing how it fits. So the more an article of clothing or whatever, the fit matters, the tougher it is. And to be honest, shoes is really one of those things where how it fits super matters. So this, to me, isn't really going to solve the key problem with buying shoes online. What would solve that problem? Is there, is there anything out there, or are we still waiting for, as they say, the next big thing in terms of, what would actually make that something that would be feasible for online merchants such as Amazon? Yeah, I mean, I know the technology that's coming down the pike, and there is nothing on the horizon that's going to really let you try on shoes and get a sense for whether they fit. You know, I'll be honest, I will buy a second pair of shoes. Like, I love Solomon shoes that don't tie, and I know I'm always an eight and a half. So I'll buy those online. For any kind of new shoe, I want to try it on. Really, if you're going to buy shoes online, you have to be prepared to buy them, try them on, and return them. I think that's really, you know, all we're going to have in the future. Technology is not going to solve that anytime soon. So where will this work? Where will this help a shopper do a better job of getting what they want online? So it is really good for certain things, things like glasses. You really can kind of buy them online. You can get a good picture of your face and see what on your face. It's not bad for makeup, oddly enough. It can show you the shade and things. So a lot of people have found success there. In kinds of clothes, it's so really more interested in do I like this color, whatever. Um, then, you know, it can't really give you a sense for do you like the colors. It just can't give you a sense for fit. And that's not, again, really coming anytime soon. They are trying some things. So if you're willing to let the skin of your body they can be more helpful, um, and they have done some tests on that. So, and I would wonder, too, if, you know, sometimes something on my screen looks 
different than what it looks like on your screen? How much can we trust that what we're looking at online is actually, say, for example, the right color, the right shade? You know, how it's actually going to look on, on you or me? That technology is getting better. But I think part of when you buy clothes or shoes or anything like that, makeup, glasses online, is being willing to uh, try and, and return. Like, I think you're choosing the convenience of not having to go to the store at the possible risk of having to return it. Because I don't think technology is going to be able to really solve this. It'll help. Um, it certainly can give you a sense for what something will look like. But bottom line, this is one of the categories where in-person retail really does have an advantage. That's Tina Freed, the chief technology correspondent for the new site Axios.com out of San Francisco. Great advice, especially if you're looking for something online. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, we'll examine how more Americans are turning to credit cards in this high inflationary environment. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As we were mentioning, during the pandemic, many people got ahead of their credit card debt, but things have changed in a hurry because of inflation. And we welcome back Matt Schultz, the chief credit analyst at Lending Tree out of Boston. And let's see if we can check in with Matt here and see what exactly we can tell you about that. Matt, what is going on with inflation and credit cards? Well, credit card debt is definitely rising, and inflation is certainly a big reason for it. And uh, But it's important also to understand that credit card debt can be a sign of struggle, but it can also be a sign of confidence, too, where people feel willing to take more risk. So I think we're seeing some of that as well. So what's the advice here? Uh, I imagine one thing that it may even seem funny to some, but one thing to do here is Keep an eye on interest rates, especially if uh, yours are adjustable or, or just what's the best advice in terms of smart use of credit cards at a time like this? Well, it's, it's always the best move to pay off your credit card debt as soon as you possibly can. And when interest rates are rising, that's even more important. So if you can switch to a 0% balance transfer credit card to help you get that interest under control. That's a good idea. A low interest personal loan can help. And you can even call your credit card issuer and ask them to lower your interest rate. About 70% of people who've asked for that in the past year have gotten their way, but far too few people ask. And and you might be surprised how willing your lender is to do that. Is there any way to maybe the chances that your lender will do that? Well, it, it, it's always the case where if you have good credit, it's easier. If you have a longer track record with that card issuer, it's easier. But the truth is the success rate is so high that it's not just folks with 750 credit scores who are getting their way. So it's worth picking up the phone and making that ask. Matt, I'm so glad we reconnected with you because you had some great advice, and we always appreciate it. Matt Schultz, the Chief Credit Analyst at Lending Tree in Austin, Texas. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.